What's up, Drop Pod listeners? As always, you can listen to the Drop Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Pods. We are now on Apple Music, Audible, and Pandora as well. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can also find all of our content on YouTube at The Drop Golf Podcast and on all of our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at The Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, follow and listen along. This episode is sponsored by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board-certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they have recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro and this is Ryan Kulat. What's going on, everyone? Hope you're all doing well. Mike and I are recording just as Matty Fitz tapped in his putt to win uh, at Harbortown. So we're recording late on a Sunday and got some stuff to chat about this week. Uh, we got back safely from our spring breaks. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. We got Pat Wilson, 2022 Met Mid-Am champion. Jersey guy, went to St. John's, turned professional after college. Bounced around for a little bit. Talked about how, uh, Mike, I, I, I was so, the process to become not a professional and a professional blew my mind, and I can't wait for you guys to listen. So, so we got Pat on at the end. He's today's guest, and Pat is a self-described late bloomer. I don't know how you can be a professional PGA Tour pro, but be a late bloomer, but apparently you can. So, um, so we got that. So make sure you stick around for Pat at the end of the show. Mike, let's talk about the RBC. Thoughts on the final round today as it's just finishing up? I mean, listen, shot for shot down the stretch. Um, I think I turned it on on the 12th hole and just sat on the couch and was glued to it. You know, whether it was Cantlay firing a few darts in there and then stumbling towards the end, um, his little wedgie that he had there um, <laughs> where he chipped it over the green was unbelievable. Um, and then to get up and down from that, not only just hit it, was crazy and then Jordan just firing darts in there but you know kudos to Maddie Fitz I mean I I know that when we had Chris Dimmick on in the month of December he's told he told the story about when Maddie Fitz showed up to Manasquan River um, with the trophy the U.S. Open trophy in the passenger seat again just a crazy story with Maddie Fitz happy to see him win it good golfer playing really well at a good time yeah, I I was obviously rooting hard for for Jordan. I'm a Jordan guy. That's that's uh, I think I made my declaration last week or two weeks ago about that. That's my that's my guy. I really like him, but tough not to like Matty Fitz and play having him come play a local course is is really really cool. And his whole story and it's not like I don't like him. I think my problem, Mike, is I like too many golfers. I, I got I think I got to define the line somewhere at some point, but. Uh, but Jordan's at the top, and again, not like not like I'm mad about Matty Fitz because I like him too. But I was rooting for Jordan. I, I was when you texted me, Mike sent me a text, and it said, "Google Patrick Cantley wedgie," 
and I was like, what is going to come up on my phone right now when I Google this? What, if I, what am I going to look at? Some some little bit of Patrick Cantley's behind there? I, I don't need to see that. But then to see how like where his ball landed and the shot that he made, absolutely incredible. Um, I turned it on a little later than you, Mike, but, but how can you not like that golf? The 18th hole in regulation, playing 18 again, going to 17, going to 18. I mean, they just – it was just – Great golf. Again, shot for shot. Just great golfers making great golf shots. And then the pressure that mounts from each one. And again, it's just, I've said it all the time. Golf is a game of millimeters. And Jordan misses that putt on the first the first playoff hole by millimeters. Uh, I mean, the speed that it was going, two millimeters to the left maybe? I don't even know how many. But how that didn't drop, I don't know. It just, it's such a close game. And just two great golf guys hitting great golf shots. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, if, and if, I'm sure at this point, you know, it, it's, it's Wednesday or Thursday when people are listening to this. So if you haven't seen the wedgie that Patrick Cantlay had to hit there on 14, um, you know, you're just, I don't know what you're doing. You need to Google that right this second. Stop what you're doing. But I, it did, you know, it, again, it went back to a lot of Patrick Cantlay being slow. You know, you could sense the frustration of Maddie Fitz and Jordan. They seemed like they wanted to keep playing. I mean, no offense, Maddie Fitz is lightning fast. Oh my that god, that dude! That dude is doing, and and I think he's a great example of of slow play because he's doing all his work while the other guy is getting ready. Which they showed I think a perfect a great... example of that when Jordan yeah. was taking all that time. He's like, "Do I want to hit the eight? Do I want to hit the nine? And he stood over it with the nine, and then he went back to Michael Greller. It was like, "Give me the eight. Matty Fitz is standing there holding a club, like ready to go. And Let's I think go. that a hundred percent. That's a great thing for the audience because mm-hmm. you do your preparation while the other guy is hitting, so that when it's your turn, you go. And I hate to say like. And it's hard to argue because I know Cantley came out today and, and or this week and spoke like, well, listen, I'm a top 10 player in the world, so clearly it works. I understand that. Like, it's hard to argue that what I do is better than what Patrick Cantley does because he's top five in the world. I am just a scrub playing on this in the local muni. like, I get that. But, like, come on, Pat, you got to pick up the pace. You're not even in contention anymore. And he's still grinding and grinding. Yeah. But I get, listen, I, listen, I, Matt, Matty Fitz, he knows what he's hitting. He's ready to go, and he fires. Yeah. And and that's not even, like, in my eyes, that's the part of slow play. Like, you can, you can be slower if you need to be more methodical, but you need to find places to pick up the pace then. You need to be doing things like, like while they're hitting, be, stay to the right, stay to the left, be in the rough, but be 15, 20 yards ahead. And then as soon as they hit it, start walking to your ball because you know that you need the extra time. You know, again, you're, you're parallel with each other. You're hitting second. Start your, start your preparation while they're preparing as well. You don't need to be waiting, watch the shot, and then, okay, now it's time for me to start. Start your shit earlier. Like, that's the, you can do all the stuff you need to. You can waggle over the ball. You can regrip. You can do whatever you want to. That's all stuff that makes you comfortable. Uh, that's not necessarily what I'm. What when people talk about slow play, like what I would say to change or what they would say to change, it's the other stuff that you can try to mitigate the amount of time that you're taking. Okay, get in front. Be ready to hit, and then and then hit. Like 
Jordan hit, Maddie Fitz hit in the playoff right away. Like they were going and going and going. And again, Cantley knows he plays slow, so you got to pick it up somewhere. And yeah, and listen, I think I'll tell you the other thing I really, really loved watching is how the number one player in the world he finishes right, not in contention. What's he do? John Ron jumps on the telecast. He's now he's now an analyst giving play-by-play on guys hitting shots, saying, like, I don't think Jordan is going to hit this. I don't. I can't imagine Cantlay actually hitting the shot on 14 when the ball was wedged in there. Like, he's like, I can't. And he was sounded like a seasoned pro. Yeah. And it was amazing to me how John Rahm, who just came off an emotional victory at the Masters, was not in contention here at the RBC, but then still decided to give the telecast 30 minutes of solid play-by-play coming from the number one play in the world. Yeah. Like, it was, I I thought that, again, I think that's another reason why John Rahm is starting to get into, like, the everyday mix. He's, I know he's a a Spaniard and he's outside of America in terms of, like, being homegrown. He's becoming a household name. So if you said a John Rahm, a guy who doesn't know or watch golf, they're going to be like, oh, the dude with the beard? Yeah. Yeah, that big Harry Spaniard. Yeah, I, I love Grizzly that about him. Yep. I love how he came on. He gave some analysis. Like to me, I thought that was so so cool. Hearing it from him, nonetheless, I thought was absolutely amazing. And his English for somebody that's only really moved over here since he went to Arizona State was was really cool. And and I did think the one thing that someone Trevor Trevor Immelman did say to him, like, so you know, now John, I know you've had like a couple. You know, long stretches here, um, probably emotional. Like, how, when's the next time you're going to pick up a club? And his response was, I always say I'm going to give myself some time off, but I'm a golf junkie. I'll probably be out chipping tomorrow. <laughs> That's why he's number one in the world. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's, that just, it's amazing. There's a different level of crazy to be up there, you know? Yeah. And it's just so, it's just so. Uh, he just relates to the average guy that just lives and breathes golf like us and a lot of our audience does too. So, I mean, I thought that was great. I thought literally like probably the last hour and a half of the telecast was unbelievable. The golf was great. Matty Fitz knocking that shot on the second playoff, third playoff hole. I mean, God, how pure is that? Yeah. I mean, inches from going in. I think golf breeds itself to those kind of people. I think that a lot of golfers can jump on the telecast and talk – about golf like they they can be they're charismatic enough or or however you want to say it like they I think they a lot of golfers fit into that realm and some do it better than others but when you see someone that doesn't do it well someone like Patrick Reed it's it's gonna be it's gonna come off as wow that guy's really a jerk because he really doesn't know how to communicate whereas a lot of them I feel like do I feel like you could I feel like you could walk into any any clubhouse where they're where they're having lunch and be like, "Hey, I need you on the telecast," and any one of them would do bare minimum a good job. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and I think a lot of that uh, the pip plays a lot of role in that. Yeah, a major role in that. The, the player impact program where these guys know that the more they're out there, the more that social media and people interact with them, engage with them, like that only helps them right. at the end of the year when the pip comes into play. Right. You know, like that. And that's, and I think that's why a lot of these guys are more open where in the past, you know, everybody says, oh, Tiger wouldn't do it. Tiger wouldn't do it. He didn't have to right. because A, it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So you can't even say what he or what he It's not like he needed to get his people knew who Tiger was. 
Right. So, I, but like, I don't think any other sport could do that. Like, I don't think hockey could take someone who's who's, hey, you're not going to play in the third period or your day's over. You like and and put them in the booth and and do that. Football, basketball, baseball does it a little bit. Maybe you could do it in baseball. They bring it into the dugout and they have players now doing that. But I, I don't know. I don't know if if it any other sport does it as well or has players that do it as well as golf does. Because I do think do that thi- all of them are good. When they go in. And do you think that is because golf, unlike other sports, are really just like an individual sport? So an individual is able to get on there and do it where we're talking more team sports like. So you'd have to step away from your team right. and the perception may be a little different. I think they're used to talking about about their sport because it's not, you know, like a lineman for football never has had to talk to a reporter ever. You know, no, from from Pop Warner to high school to college, no no one's ever been like, let me go, let me go talk to the center and see what he has to say. You know, like <laughs> that's never happened. So I don't think, uh, you know, and while Except some Jason of those Kelsey. do, like Jason, Jason Kelsey has his own podcast. Dude, I was just, just going to say the Kelsey Brothers podcast. podcast is awesome, yes, and so, they I do mean, a great job. But I think that that's the, I think that that's the exception, not the rule in like other linemen. You know, you know, compared to whereas again, I, I think you could get. Just about any PGA Tour pro, and you're going to get good content or good analysis or good whatever you want to whatever you're trying to get out of it. And uh, you know, I don't I don't know if any other sport is doing that. The other thing that I like that we're getting more in golf, and and I know we're a Jersey podcast and talking about you know professional stuff right now, but I love the caddy player interaction. And I like that at the Masters, they had him putting in the earbud and talking to Rory and Max Homa. I don't know if anybody else was in. And then hearing in the playoff today, the relationship between Michael and Jordan. Oh, I, I didn't even mean to do that. I just did that. Hearing, that. hearing them talk back and forth, and then Jordan wants to go away for the 9-iron, go to the 8-iron. Like Hearing that banter, I really like that a lot. And and even if you want to go one step further to what Max Homa did on the in the Masters, go into like what he was talking about, where all three of them were on the green and they were all like we just talked about doing their work ahead of time. I find that super super interesting, and I and I really like that we get an inside look at that. Seems like recently more than we have in the past. I hope that keep, continues. And I think uh, listen, and I think that goes back to some of the things that you and I have spoken about on the podcast before. Is there's been pros about Liv coming around. Mm-hmm. It's forced the PGA Tour to get out of the old man thinking and evolve a little bit. Yeah. And all these ideas are, are brand new. And if you check off Twitter, it is all positive. There's still going to be their negative people, but those people, can you can just click the block button on because they're just ridiculous. They, they wouldn't like anything, regardless of what, what it is. But even get on golf Twitter... Lawn. Yeah, yeah. Everybody on golf Twitter, it's like... Love the interaction. Love to hear hear the talk. The the whole nine is right. Is, yeah, I'm not saying anything the evolution's that nobody great. doesn't. Yeah, it, the evolution's it, great, perfect. and I think that's perfect. it was much perfect. needed. And I'll leave. This will be my wrap up. I'll let you finish it after this. It would be unbelievable, right? Next week is the Zurich, right? And it's teams, two yep. teams, guys. Matt Fitzpatrick is playing with his younger brother Alex. That's he got a sponsor's exemption, so he's in. If Maddie Fitz pulls this off and wins the Zurich next week with his brother, his brother would then get his own PGA Dude, Tour card. How awesome is that? Dude, how sweet would that be? That's, 
that, and again, like his brother's probably I, saying, I'm, "I'm rooting for that. I'm rooting for that. That's my. His, that's who I want to win next week. Who doesn't want that story? If you don't want that, you're the you're the curmudgeon that we just were talking about. That's I, the greatest. I get it. I get it. The, I get it. The, the betting favor will be Cantlay and Shawflick. I get it. They're back. They're returning champs. Like I get it. I get it. They're very good. But, I mean, find me a better story than these two. I'm sure his brother, Alex, is sitting home and says, dude, you couldn't do this next week. Right. You couldn't do it when I'm with you. I would get to be out here right. all the time What are the, the odds of winning you. back-to-back weeks? Yeah. Oh, listen, let's go Maddie Fitz and Alex next right. week at the Zerk. How, that is going to be good banter. Like, I hope that they keep the earbuds in for a long time with them because as, as he hits a shot, be like, I guess you don't fucking want me on the tour with you. <laughs> <laughs> So that would good. be good. Two so brothers good. that are arguing. That would be funny. Dr. Mike Pamakala at Sports Solutions Physical Therapy and Performance Development is located in Middletown, New Jersey. A Titleist Performance Institute medical practitioner, Dr. Mike uses a hands-on approach with his clients to get them out of pain and back onto the golf course. No pain, no problem. Assessments are available for golfers looking to improve flexibility, power, strength, stability, and overall efficiency with their golf swing. Don't let dysfunction disrupt your swing. Schedule an evaluation with a TPI physical therapist and check out Dr. Mike at sportssolutionspt.com and on Instagram at sportssolutionspt. So Mike, another thing I wanted to talk about was uh, we got back safely from spring breaks. We survived. We're we're back home rocking and rolling. I played more golf than you. I, I know that. But I think that you played a better course than I did. You want to start or you want me to? I mean, I can start. I mean, I, I don't have – I wish I had as much talk to talk about as you did in terms of how much you got to play. But went down to Jupiter to visit mom and dad, you know, with the wife and two kids. And um, weather was absolutely atrocious. I don't know how else to, to spell it out. Everybody told me, oh, eight weeks before, it hasn't rained at all. Well, every single day it rained while we were there. So I had gotten an invite to go play medalist. And I was one of the places that's like a bucket list spot. You know, it's Tiger's Place. You see Brooks is there and Justin Thomas and you know all these other pros. Ricky basically lives out there. Um, they're spent all a lot of time there. there recently too. Yeah, all, all over there. You see the pictures. Walking through the whole clubhouse itself was unbelievable. The pictures of everybody on the walls. Um, you know, the pro shop having every brand name, simple logo on their shirts, like it was perfect. And then, you know, the weather wasn't the greatest, but you know, we went out there and played and before we played, we actually sat down and had lunch and, you know, I I knew that who we were playing with, I didn't know, know them in a sense of who the other guests were. And I go to sit down at the table and a listener of ours says, um, are you Mike from the Drop Podcast? And I said, I am. He's like, oh, I'm a huge fan. I listen every Wednesday. Love the fact that your episodes come out. It gives me something to listen to, and I know it's coming out every Wednesday. And I I, I thought, like, the member had already told him about it, and right? it was setting me up for some, like, uh, gotcha joke. Like, you know, he's like, no. I follow on Instagram, love the stuff you guys put out. I love the fact that when I wake up Wednesday and I'm driving to work, I can throw the podcast on. He's like, I got a, a couple that I listen to. And I looked at the member. I said, are you, you know, are you pulling my leg here? Like, what, what the hell? 
I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, he told me about the podcast and I had to tell him about how my dad was on the podcast and I was just like going back and forth. He's like, I'm like, wow, this is absolutely crazy, but I appreciate you listening. Um, you know, so I want to give a quick little shout out to John Crawford, um, listener, follower, and, and to John's credit, dude, he can play too. Two index, got that ball around the golf course very nicely. Wow. Um, hits it a mile. So, I mean, it was, it was a good day. It sucked that it rained after about like, I want to say after about like 14 holes, we kind of, I was ready to bail because it was pouring so hard, but you know, we only had a few holes left, so we kind of sucked it up and, and teed it up. Um, but I will say this about the course for as hard and as much as it rained, there were no puddles. What going back to where tiger tees off and has his own, what they call tiger tees and the carries on some of those was absolutely ridiculous. I'd be dumping it in the water, not even reaching certain spots. Um, it, the place, just the aesthetics of it is unbelievable. It was unfortunate that you played it in a day like that, but you know, Fingers crossed that I would one day get that invite back on a, on a nicer day. But I did, you know, for the record, I did shoot 83, 43 on the front. I was seven over through my first six holes. Then I made pars on seven, eight, and nine. And then I shot 40 on the back nine. I only made one birdie, and I finished with bogey, bogey, bogey coming in. So it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest round in terms of numbers, but the experience, the driving range, driving range, bro, Titleist Pro V1Xs, all brand new. I look over at John and say, hey, listen, mind if I, what if I put a couple of these balls in my bag? No one even know. You know, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it, but it was, I mean, but newer balls than the ones I play with, I'll tell you that. Uh, uh, Mike, I know that you got to say you didn't do it, but, but we're on the Zoom here. You can tell me. Give me a little wink. Blink listen. twice if you did do it. I, I was so hesitant because I didn't want, I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to get in trouble at all. So I literally left them all there. I hit my chunked wedges and scold irons all around the place. But it was it was a great introduction when I sat there and, and met John for the first time and, and the member. Um, and then getting out there to play 18 holes. It was, it was an unbelievable golf course. You can see why so many of those people, you know, professional-wise, are over there. You know the view coming up 18 with the with the with the clubhouse right there in the backdrop is like a picture to die for. And then you know it made me really think about the match when Tiger played with Phil and Tom Brady um, and Peyton Manning, and they all sat there on the 18th green. And right in the backdrop was the clubhouse right there at Medalist. It was like it made me reminisce of like oh I remember I remember this hole on the TV and I remember this. Some of the tee boxes, the way they're set up, kind of like on a, like a little island in the swamp. It was just, listen, just the little things about the golf course. The bunkers were like maybe 12 inches lo- wide. And it was like sometimes like just a long strip of a bunker. Oh. Just like, just aesthetically, like I was like, dude, this is so pure and so money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, listen, it was a an experience, one I'll never forget. I did take a lot of pictures. Um, I didn't post many. Um, I wanted to be respectful in terms of I wasn't 100% certain how much the cell phones were really allowed out there. So, you know, I kind of stayed away from posting many things, which is why, you know, people may say, well, I didn't see anything. It's, you know, I kind of, I wanted to be respectful. But all in all, unbelievable golf course. That was the extent of me playing golf the entire time in Jupiter, Florida, with all the amazing golf courses there. Yeah, you, I felt really bad. Obviously, we were texting through and you were 
you just get impounded with weather. It's just like how how much does it suck that you you know you go on vacation and it's to a place that hardly ever gets rain, and it's raining the week you're there. It rains probably yeah, and- probably rains probably six days all year, and it rained all six the days you were there. And then you check home, and it's 80 degrees and sunny. Yeah. And you're saying, what the hell am I doing? But that was it. Let me, let me hear a little bit about yours. I know you got a fortune to play a lot of golf and a lot of good golf. Yeah, I, I played. I, I did. I, I, took, uh, I took a trip down to, down to my mom's. She's, uh, you know, she's starting to dabble in, like, the snowbird thing where she's up here part-time, down, down in North Carolina part-time, right outside Myrtle Beach. <clears throat> so I actually um, I started my week at... Clemson, a uh, family friend goes, goes there, so I went and visited him. I, I say this to, you know, we, we were out the night before, him and his friends and I, and I said it to all of them, I don't know how people go visit Clemson and don't fall in love with it. It is, it has everything, I, I mean, the only thing I would think of is if you're truly looking for like a downtown city area, like a, a city city, but even its downtown area, it, it's it's downtown. It, it's definitely a you know it's got it's got bars, restaurants, shopping. It's got it's got stuff. That would be the only thing is if you were looking for like an NYU or a DePaul or University of Chicago or you know one of these city schools where it's purely city. It's the only thing I would think of because it is stunningly stunningly beautiful it, it's just an incredible such a special place down there uh, i kept telling them that it really is the people there the vibes there the scenery the atmosphere everything is just it's a special special place that is nothing to do with the type of school like the education that you're getting there which is also a top notch but it, just everything else is is it's beautiful anyway i got to play the walker course there it's called Th- this course is incredible it's my second time playing it. Uh, it's the number one college golf course in America. It's a top ten course of the Southeast, and it's it does not disappoint. It is an incredible golf course. To think that students get to play there as much as they want to, and it's not even the course that Clemson University plays. It's just like their it's like their on campus golf course. It's it's awesome. There's some really cool holes. It's highlighted by the 17th hole, a par three. That is, it's a tiger paw. I, I know I kept, I know I texted you that, and you were like, I don't know what that is. It's uh, you have a, 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 you're teeing up over water to this. It's not necessarily an island green, but it's like a peninsula green. Uh, and it's the green, and then it's got four like individual bunkers behind it, kind of look like a, kind of look like a paw, and. We hit it right at like seven o'clock, seven thirty. So the sun setting over the lake that's behind it, it was it was beautiful. It really was. I, I posted a picture of it. I mean that picture, that picture itself. When when I saw that picture on your Instagram, and then I saw the video that will eventually come out of of you playing the hole, like that picture made me sit there at home when I was at home and you were sending me that like, oh man, how pure does yeah. that look? And, forget and about like forget about the golf. Just the view uh-huh. and the and the and the landscape, the sun setting. It was like I mean that's like that's like something you hang on the wall. It really was. And and Mike, you know that golf pictures on your phone never do it justice. 
it was so if you're saying that from that picture, which again I think it was a great picture, it was so I mean it was it was a religious experience being out there at that time of day. It was it was beautiful, dude. It really was a great round with with uh, my buddy, his two friends. We had a great time out there. It was really uh, again such a special experience there. So I'll, I'll put that I'll put that video out, you know, flaws and all, but it, yeah, it was it was a perfect 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 evening for golf there and a great round and and it was funny we were talking Augusta National with with one of his friends uh who who knows the course well and it was he was I will say he was spot on because I was I was trying to I didn't want to pry but I did want to hear some stories and and the one thing that I took away that I do want to share is that he said the winner I said how's it how's it going to play what's the what do you think winner is going to be he's like I think it's going to be like 12 under and he is going to win. And what was the winner? 12 under. There you go. I mean, it That's was crazy. Yeah, it was, That's it was crazy. really cool. Really cool. So, so to my guys, I hope they're listening. I had a, I had a great time. I know I told you that. Thank you guys for having me out there. Uh, and then I made my way back to mom's down, you know, again on the ocean there. And I played legends Heathland. I played oyster Bay. Um, those are two legends properties. Uh, Legends has three courses on it in Conway, just outside Myrtle Beach. Uh, I believe it's Heathland, Moreland, and Heathland, Moreland, and I'd have to look up the other one that are on. There's three courses on this one property, and then they also own Heritage Club, which is down on Pawleys Island by Caledonian True Blue, and they also own Oyster Bay, which is um, in North Carolina. Heathland was beautiful. It's the it's the best of those three that are there. I had a, I had such a cool round with these guys. I got paired up. I just kind of walked on and I got paired up with these uh, these three guys from Canada. And I get in the car. I check in. Uh, I'm running late. I check in. They throw me on the cart that, with the guy, and I was like, "Hey, how are you?" And he doesn't speak any English. He only speaks French. <laughs> so. Well, so I drive next to this guy, and I'm literally thinking, like, Translate. right, this is going to be an interesting round if I, if if we're going to have this community. Nice guy. Like, he was clearly like, I don't speak English. This is going to be awkward, but nice to meet you. And and it was pretty funny. And then uh, and then we get up to the other cart that we're with, and it turns out it's the three of them. They're from, they're from Montreal. And I switch, and I end up playing with uh, with the son of one of those guys. And it was like, it was like, a dad, a friend, and and then I played in the cart with the son. The son knew English and um, good guys, good golfers. It was it was a fun day. It was really an interesting experience hearing about like some of the different things that we call it. Like you and I go out, like hey, let's play a match today. You know what kind of match you want to play? You want to play Nassau? You want to play best ball? You want to play? What do you want? What do you want to play? We call it a match though. They called it a game. They continued to call it a game, and it just I guess it is, but it just was like. It's just something different that like we don't say here. They called it a match. We were calling it a game. Um, I kind of I've have heard that in the past. Like I have heard people call it a game. Like oh, you got a game today. Yeah. But I guess I didn't. Ref- I guess I would have thought that referred to, like, do you have a group that you're playing with? Mm-hmm. Not like a game, as in like what what is the game that we're playing? Right. We're we're out here playing a game. Like it was just it was it was. Again, there were a couple things that were interesting about about it. Like, um, like he was talking about how he had a, uh, a white claw, 
He's like, the White Claw here tastes so much better. You know why? Because White Claws in Canada don't have sugar. Really? These White Claws, yeah, these White Claws had sugar. So he was like, the White Claws in, in Canada are zero calories because they don't have sugar, apparently. Ours, he's like, 100 calories. Like, what's the difference? And he like, so he's like, this is so much sweeter. It was just, it was just kind of funny that like, there are neighbors to the north. They should be. It was just funny the different the differences. But they were they were great guys as well. I had a blast. Now that we're now we're partners with Lynx Drinks, we should have sent them a Lynx drink, little transfusion in a can. Yeah. The transfusion cocktail is the golf club classic you know and love. For years, golfers had looked forward to this drink at the turn or in the clubhouse. Now, Lynx Drinks has created a brand of ready-to-drink transfusion vodka canned cocktails. The classic is made with vodka, ginger ale, and grape juice. The front nine with orange juice and the back nine with cranberry juice. All three are 7% ABV, gluten-free, and are made with natural ingredients and no preservatives. Lynx Drinks transfusions are sold in foursome packs at over 3,000 locations and available in 16 states. Just grab it and go for a perfect tasting cocktail every single time. On the course, the beach, a boat, or a barbecue at home with family and friends, you can now enjoy this golf tradition anywhere. We think it will become your new favorite cocktail on or off the links. Enjoy life. Enjoy links drinks. So that was that was fun. You know, we started talking about the podcast a little bit. He's like, "Hey, I got a 16-hour drive. I'm going to give it a listen." So. Um, so hopefully they're listening guys. Hope you got back safe. Had a great time with you. Thanks for letting me tag along and, uh, and had a great game with you. The last course that I played was, uh, was Oyster Bay and it was, you know what? I wasn't going to play Oyster Bay. I really wanted to play. Uh, it's not the last course I played, but the, this course that I played was Oyster Bay and I wasn't going to play. I wanted to play Tidewater, but it was supposed to rain in the afternoon. So I was like, let me just go somewhere quick where I can get out. And I'm glad I did. They had a couple really cool holes. With Those videos will come out, but there was a drivable par 4 uphill over water, but this enormous bunker was protecting the green from it. There was a uh, another par 3 with, again, two guys. You know, I, I got paired up with those two old guys from the Muppets were, were my partners that day. And it was just like where their tees were compared to my tees. Like, we were both hitting over water, but they had about... I don't know, 20 yards of carry over water and both dunked like four or five balls in the drink. I had about a 210 yard carry over water. It was it, to like this island green, which was really, really cool. Saw an enormous alligator. I, I was, I sent the picture to some, it's the biggest alligator I've ever seen in person, which again, my alligator experience is not, is not very, you know, it's not pro level, <laughs> but I've seen a few in person. I, I mean, it was legitimately a six seven eight foot alligator i mean it was it was really really big it was taking a nap so i was able to get pretty close and and take some pictures but it was it was pretty cool looking um that was a good day it wasn't uh it wasn't very long so you know unfortunately i could do my my best bryson dechambeau you know throw the driver out as far as i could and have wedges in and and uh run into some pars occasionally but the course i did want to talk about was Thistle Golf Club. 27 holes, uh, three nines. It was it was beautiful. I, I met some great people there that were just like, like I, I was a single, they sent me out by myself. Um, 
So I was really hoping I didn't get a hole in one that day. And I and like I, I roll up to the tee. There was guys that just teed off. They were like, "Hey, why don't you go in front of us? Like you're gonna be waiting for us." And I was like, "You guys sure?" So played on through them. It was just like just like really nice fellas. Course was in beautiful, beautiful shape. Uh, it was definitely the nicest shape of all the courses that I played down there. Maybe outside of Walker, but but uh, you know when I say down there, talking about like the Myrtle Beach area. I I, I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. I cannot wait to go back and play it again. I would say, you know, we've talked about how far you would travel to go play a course. I think it's an hour and a half travel. Uh, I think it was really, really great. A couple really cool holes on there. Saw some baby alligators, which, which you know, were adorable. Saw a any snake. Any pets? Did you take one home? I didn't take any, I didn't take any home, no. It wouldn't, the one I, one I did see, it wouldn't have lasted. So my dog would have thought it was a chew toy. Uh, that's how small it was. <laughs> yeah, I, your dog would have ended up inside the alligator. But the the one I saw at Oyster Bay, for sure, I would have been inside that alligator. But uh, <laughs> I um, alligators are dinosaurs, Dwight. You know that, right? <laughs> Listen, I would take the little baby alligator over your dog. <laughs> You've never met my dog. I don't care. I've seen alligators. Those things are fucking scary. Give me the alligator. Over the dog. <laughs> so, um, so it, it was it was an incredible course. What was really cool was they let uh, my mom had some free time. She did some baking and stuff like that, and then wanted to come out. So they drove her out. So we drove around for a little while. Um, I put up my Instagram live. I was wearing my fluke hat. I, that's where I that's where I was. Um, I, I just put out uh, or just finished up. You know, we we're gonna put a Ryan's verse out there. It was. It was it was beautiful. It really was. It was aces. It was such a good such a good time, vibe, course. Everything was everything was beautiful. I really really liked it. Um, no real no real special hole like no tiger paw uh, you know, hole or anything like that. The the pro shop was enormous though. I, I don't think I've ever seen a pro shop this big. It was it was so spacious not even that they had a lot of stuff in it it was just so big and and spaced out and had a nice cocktail afterwards sat down and and like a couple of the holes that you could sit down they had like these rocking chairs that they were taken so i wasn't sitting in them so i was sitting at a table but like the ninth green was coming in to my left People were teeing off in between. There was another nine green there, and then people were teeing off going the other way. So, like, I saw a whole bunch of action. I think that's one where it's not quite like uh, True Blue has a famous one where they there's, like, a balcony over the 18th hole where you can just watch. I, I would spend hours and hours there gambling over people hitting the green or not. But this wasn't quite like that, but you could watch some good action while you had had some – uh, had some time out there. Really, really was a beautiful course. I can't if you're if you're in the Myrtle Beach area, go. Thistle's a must play. Did you get any merch? You know, I'm I'm disappointed in myself because I am a I am a, a merch guy. I like to get golf balls from where I play. Um, I don't I, I don't know what my policy is with the golf balls. Like I don't have one from Shark River because you know I, you know I play that all the time or or. Um, you know, any of the county courses here in Monmouth County, but I should have gotten one from Thistle. I should have. I thought that was a, I thought that was a really good, that would be one where when I go back, I'll definitely get a golf ball. That, that's worthy. That's golf ball worthy um, to, to put up there. 
But no, I didn't. I didn't get any merch. You know, you know why, Mike? I think with mom living down there in the foreseeable future, or at least I have the opportunity to go whenever I want to. I think it means less getting merch, knowing that I'm going to have multiple opportunities to get merch. You know what I mean? So makes um, sense. It makes sense. Yeah, but uh, I uh, again can't recommend Thistle enough. It was, it was, it was amazing. Really was. Well, it sounds like you had a great spring break, and I'm glad the weather was good. And I and I did take a peek at your gin, and I saw the scores were posted. I know they weren't posted right away, so I know I jumped <laughs> right up on you to B- make sure. Busted and my I know, balls and immediately, I know, and it took and me. And I know that you took offense. I know you took offense that, like, will you give me a second to breathe? But I knew there had been hours that passed by before you played, and nothing was posted. And I'm a hawk for that stuff. Yeah. My dad will be the first one to say that. Like, I look, you tell me you play the score better be posted and it wasn't right away and you got mad when i called your ass I, I out was because i was because you know why because i was sitting i think was that the is that when i played thistle i think i was sitting there i was having my cocktail and i was just enjoying just like i hadn't looked at my phone like i took i did that live video i recorded some stuff but otherwise like my mom was there for a little bit i, I didn't look at my phone all day so i'm just on my phone kind of scrolling through catching up on t- you know texts from friends or Instagram stuff, just scrolling and, and just just bullshitting. And uh, again, uh, I guess you, you got to believe it if I'm saying I'm not a sandbagger, I'm going to put it in. But like, yeah, you jumped on me and I was like, I'm, I'm sitting here having a relaxing fucking time and you're going to bust my goddamn balls with this shit. You mother. <laughs> I, I knew that you had played. And I was like, oh, I wonder how he played. And I always like to know what people shot when they tell me they play because I don't want to be an asshole and be like, oh, how'd you play? And you played awful because no one wants to get that text. And, Dude, I shot 95. I don't want right. to talk. And well, I didn't I, see I was, anything posted. Well, that was funny because I had texted you saying, like, my score was an 89 at Thistle. And and it was funny because you saw the score. And then I was telling you about how I played. I had tap-in bogeys left and right. I thought I hit the ball great. I, I don't think I missed... I must have hit 11, 12 fairways. The irons off the the irons from the fairway, I thought I hit them great. Like I hit them solidly. They just were missing the green. Like I'm not used to my new like with Dr. Mike and having my hips go and everything. Like I'm still getting used to my my what my ball flight is. So while I'm used to aiming maybe a little left to have my fade hit the center of the green, I'm not adjusted to it yet, so it misses the green right. So then I chip on, and I don't, you know, and I and I miss the seven footer, and then I have a tap in bogey. So like I had those, like I can I can't tell you that eighty nine was the easiest eighty nine that there's ever been. I got eighty threes, and I got two eighty threes, and eighty eight, and eighty nine. And again, I thought they all were. I feel like I'm my ball striking is significantly better than it was last year already. And I'm thanking Dr. Mike and the, and the TPI stuff. I really am. Well, listen, he said he'd get you down to a scratch, and your handicap to start the season is already trending on a downward level. So clearly there's there's evidence right there to what Dr. Mike is doing is, is yeah. working. So hopefully I, again, that I, can uh, continue. Yeah, I, I said it when we had Dr. Mike on. I think it's going to take some rain sessions or some or or working it out uh, you know, on the course a little bit. And it, it clearly is because – I feel really good about how my ball striking was. Uh, my putting wasn't really there, but I don't think I hit bad putts. They were just, 
I didn't hit any eight footers, eight ten footers. They just were all again all tapping, tapping bogeys. So yeah, scores posted, and I'm I'm looking forward to getting out there again whenever we do. Yeah, listen, we got an exciting exciting couple weeks out ahead of us, um, and you know people got to follow, listen along. I know you say that all the time at the beginning, but there's a lot of exciting things coming up. So, you know, hopefully people are following on Instagram at the drop underscore pod. Hopefully you're following on or listening along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume all these podcasts because exciting things lie ahead. We do. We really, really do. There's the foreshadowing. So that's all we got for you today. We got Pat Wilson coming on next. I previewed him in the beginning. Again, college player. Former professional, now turned back to amateur. You should listen to this just to hear about how to become a professional golfer and how easy it is. And I think the one thing I'll I'll tease again, I know I just teased about what we got coming up, but I want to tease this interview real quick because the story Pat tells about him and Tiger on the range at the United States Open, U.S. Open, is an unbelievable story that you got to listen to the interview. Yeah, and Mike, I I don't think I said that, that... Pat played in the U.S. Open as what, you know, he, he's, he's a stud golfer and great time talking to him. So, uh, again, stick around. Pat's coming up next. Enjoy the interview. All County Exteriors is a third-generation, premier exterior home remodeling company celebrating over 40 years in business. In a remodeling world where the average remodeling company only survives in business for only five years, All County Exteriors has stood the test of time, providing their customers with top quality roofing, siding, windows, and doors. They service homeowners and builders with anything from small repairs to large additions. All County Exteriors is not just limited to construction. They have a deep passion for giving back to their community and are charitable supporters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Cancer Society, Roofs for Troops, and Parents of Autistic Children. If you have planned to do any exterior remodeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no-obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors for all your remodeling needs. So boy, oh boy, do we have ourselves a treat here tonight. Um, We got none other than Pat Wilson as our guest on today's episode. Pat is the 2013 NJ SGA Player of the Year. He was also the Met Am champion that year as well. Turned pro in 2014, which he then qualified for the 2015 U.S. Open at Chambers Bay. And then more recently, in 2022, Pat received his amateur status back, which he had a huge summer. He was the Met Mid-Am champion. He was a quarterfinalist at the Farrell. He was team champs at the Ike with an earlier guest, Mark Costanza. He finished sixth at the NJSGA Amateur. He was T11 at the NJSGA Open. And another big one where he qualified for the USGA Mid-Am and then advanced to the round of 64. Uh, Pat, listen, I appreciate you coming on the show here. Um, I I got a ton of questions, and and I can't wait to get started. So thanks again for hopping on here. 
Oh, thank you for having me, guys. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, appreciate it, Pat. Pat, I'd like to start off before Mike does. Uh, I, I want to ask you what restaurant in Sellings Grove, Pennsylvania, you like best. Oh man, <laughs> that is it. Is it BJ's or is it the other one? Because I I also spent my first freshman year at Susquehanna. No kidding. Um, yeah, I played basketball there for, for, like I said, my first freshman year. I had three of them, and I was well-versed in, the, in whatever nightlife there was at Susquehanna. Yeah, there's not a whole lot going on there, but um, I have to say, I, I definitely would say BJ's was, was my, my favorite spot. Um, there wasn't a whole <laughs> lot of selection, but um, it, it was definitely BJ's, I would say. That's a, it's either BJ's or that other one, and that <laughs> other one is a Central Pennsylvania dive bar. It's a it's a rough one. Yeah, but yeah. I, thought, I only had I thought one year was... there, so it, it made it a little <laughs> tough to you know I wasn't drinking alcoholic beverages at it you know at eighteen. So uh... yeah, I wasn't supposed to be either. I mean, I wasn't either. <laughs> but uh, when Mike said you were coming on the show, and I and I took a look, I thought it was funny that you that you went to Susquehanna as well. And you're just a small world. I went there too, and it was it, such a beautiful campus. It was. It's yeah. It's just a. It's a. It's a nice place. But I needed a, a more stuff going on if I wasn't playing basketball. Yeah, it was a little small, and um, you know, it just you know, school was great, and the opportunity because I was a late bloomer in high school. You know, it was the only offer I had to play college golf. And then after my freshman year. I got an opportunity to go to St. John's and that's kind of where it took off. So that I was going to ask you that what brought you to Susquehanna, but it, you know, we'll, we'll get into the late bloomer thing, I'm sure. But that's uh, if you only had one offer to play in college, it's kind of, if you want to play college golf, then your options are limited. Yeah, exactly. So let's go there. I mean, because you went to a public high school and then where, where does the golfing fit in? Like, I, listen, I try to do the most research I can in terms of digging things up, but I, I couldn't like find anything from when you were in high school. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you went to Newton High School. Is that how you say it? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. And Almost then PA. it's out there. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And then to <clears throat> Susquehanna, then obviously I felt like as I started think, doing my research, finding things from like Susquehanna, you had a really good year which then kind of like, I guess, translate it into St. John's. So connect the dots there for me. All right, sure. So um, going way back, like actually my freshman year of high school, I I had hardly ever played golf. I only played like, you know, a couple times a year growing up and then uh, started caddying at 14 at Panther Valley. And um, I just wanted to spend all, all the time at the golf course I could. Freshman year of high school, I actually got cut. Um, I didn't even make the high school team. Uh, I was probably like shooting around a hundred at, I guess, 14. And then my 14th birthday, I got my working papers and started caddying at Panther Valley that upcoming summer. And I like lived there like Mondays I was playing all day, just have my parents would just drop me off. I'd play golf all day. And then finally convinced my dad to, to join Panther Valley. And that's kind of where it all took off. Like I went from, you know, barely being able to break a hundred to, uh, about a six handicap, I would say in about a summer. And then by the time I worked my way through high school, um, you know, locally in Northern New Jersey, it's the competition at public school isn't really super strong, but, um, 
played decent enough that I was able to get a look to play at Susquehanna, which was really my only offer, which is obviously a small D3 school in central PA. Um, and I kind of jumped on it. I love the school and, um, that's kind of where it, where it kind of started. Um, I, you know, won the, the county tournament. It's not even a thing anymore. The SCIL festival, my senior year, and then made it to tournament of champions, I think two or three years in high school and never really played well at TOC. Cause that seemed to be like the biggest tournament <laughs> I'd ever played in, but, um, <laughs> So it, uh, you know, and that I got an opportunity at Susquehanna and that's really where it kind of took shape. And then one thing led to another. I played decent at Susquehanna and I got an offer to play at St. John's and uh, the rest was kind of history. Yeah, I mean, that how does the door, I guess, open up? Because a lot of the times we get questions from the, from kids that are, will reach out to us and say like, you know, like they're not getting looks that they may like, or, you know, they don't want to go to D3 because, oh, that's not, I'm a much better golfer than D3. But like for someone like you, that's gotten to the top, you know, you, you've kind of went to the public school route, which some of the kids that we get DMs from are in the private schools and think that's their only way to go. But like you went New Jersey public school, like you went D3 and then you got eventually to the top. Like, what did you see or end up doing practice wise or playing wise that translated from a D3 Susquehanna to like a division one biggie school like St. John's? I mean, we just had Ryan McCormick on the other day and I'm pretty sure that you guys crossed paths at one point there. Yeah. I mean, Mark ended up, ended up at St. John's, you know, Keegan Bradley was at St. John's. So it's this, it's not some like, you know, Joe Schmo type division one program, you, you got some really big time names there. So like what kind of transpired at Susquehanna to get to St. John's? Um, so I think it was just like still developing my skills and like, you know, I dedicated a lot of my time to playing golf, especially during the summer. So, I mean, in high school, I would play like the New Jersey PGA, um, junior tour and stuff like that. I tried to play in like the, uh, the Met junior, and things like that. Like I tried to qualify for everything, but I, I ultimately fell short. It seemed like in high school. And then after my freshman year at Susquehanna, I maybe had a little bit more confidence and, um, I qualified for the state am and it was at Montclair in 2010. And I had actually, I don't think I'd ever broken 70 in a tournament. And, um, I shot in the third round. I made the cut. I was shot. I think I shot even the first round, shot 76 the second round. So I was like doing all right. And then out of nowhere, I don't even know what happened. I shot 65 um, in the third round. And I couldn't even tell you like what really transpired that day. But um, <laughs> that's kind of where the confidence came from. And ultimately, I lost in a, a playoff to Brian Comline, who's like a, you know, state great player. Um and kind of the rest was history from there. Like I grew up with, um, like I, I knew Ryan from tournaments throughout like New Jersey and in high school, we were only a year apart. I was a year older. And um, another uh, Sussex County kid, Jeremy Quinn, he was playing at um, St. John's and, you know, he, he actually caddied for me in that state am and, um, he said, you know, we have a, we have a spot at St. John's and if, you know, so I started talking to coach Darby, who was, who's 
um, you know, ultimately recruited me and that, that was kind of it. So it was just kind of one thing led to another and the play just continued to get better. And just, it's all, it's all between the ears as crazy as it sounds. And like the sky's kind of the limit when you, when you kind of prove yourself, you can feel like you can really, really do this. And it kind of took off from there. Yeah. I mean, shooting 65 definitely gonna open a lot of eyes. No yeah, doubt about it. For and, then, sure. and then having the connection of, of a friend that's on the bag for you, knowing that a spot's open at St. John's, you know, obviously that that gets the ball rolling in the right direction. So, I mean, you know, I, you know, then after St. John's, okay, you turn pro, right? Yeah, the 2014, January of 2014. After having a huge summer in 2013. Correct. You know, like, so obviously you're feeling very good. I mean, you win the Med-Am, that's no joke. You know, NGSJA Player of the Year, no joke. Like, obviously big-time things. Kind of, you know, one of the things that Dottie Pepper said to us when we interviewed her is, like, she was always told, like, win at home. If you can dominate and win at home, like, that's how, like, the first stepping stone to, you know, something bigger or potentially better. So, like, I kind of see that with you. Like, you played very well here you know, in the Met area, in New Jersey. So you turn pro in 2014, and then you qualify for the U.S. Open at Chambers Bay. Um, why don't you give the audience a little bit of a, you know, qualifying in that whole thing before we even get to Chambers Bay? <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a pretty crazy day because, um, you know, as you guys know, qualifying is – the, there's two rounds of qualifying. The first round is 18 holes, you know, for however many spots. And then sectional qualifying is 36 holes one day. And they say it's like the longest day in golf, which I have to say it, it probably is. It's, it's extremely grueling. It's usually really hot because it's in early June and it's just the most exciting day because, you know, as freshly turning pro, like, you know, this could open some doors and, um, I had made it through sectionals. Um, shockingly, I have a very good record at um, local qualifying. I think I've made it through like eight of the last nine years or something, something kind of crazy. Like, so the first year, you know, I got through, I was just kind of shell-shocked to be like in that position. But um, I want to say that was like 2011 um, or 12. And then, you know, by the time I, I got there in 2015, I was like, I've been here before, you know, I think I, you know, just play your best and just try to enjoy the experience, see what, see what can happen. Cause it's such a long day, just try to eliminate big numbers. And, um, so I, I went out, it, it was at old Oaks and century up in Westchester, which are two difficult golf courses, which I had played sectionals before. And I started at old Oaks and I was actually in the first group of the day which ended up being very beneficial. Um, there was no real rain in the forecast and we're, we're through like a couple holes and it just starts downpouring. And I'm at old Oaks, which is like super like tree line, narrow golf course, crazy greens. Um, and I was, I was playing all right. Like it was raining. I'm not usually one to like love playing in the rain, but you know, you just kind of have to embrace it and um, it starts pouring and I, I ended up getting done with the first round and I shot, I remember I shot 71, which was one over and really didn't feel like, I felt like I played well and, you know, I still shot over par, but I was like, you know, 
usually the numbers close to even at old Oaks and century. Um, so I was going to century, which is a course I think suits my eye a little bit better. It's not quite as narrow. The greens aren't quite as crazy. And, um, I just got out, you know, it stopped raining and I just, you know, played solid. I was just like fairways greens, not really making it too difficult on myself. And, uh, you know, by the time I got done, it was so early. I, I knew what other guys had shot in the morning, but I really wasn't paying attention to what the leaderboard was, was like, cause it was so early and I was in the first group and the wind picked up considerably like towards the end of my round. And by the time I got done, I, I remember I had like eight feet for birdie on, on 18 at century to shoot 68. And I left it like a roll short, but I was like shaking over the putt. Cause I knew it, it probably had a chance. And I, I somehow I left it short. I just figured with all the nerves and everything, I probably would have blasted it by, but um, I left it hanging on the lip. And then probably the next three to four hours were the most stressful hours of my life. I mean, <laughs> It was just it's uh, wild. I got done and I just stared at the leaderboard for hours and just, you know, kept refreshing the page, refreshing the page. And there were guys that were ahead of me that kept, you know, they were, they kept coming back. They kept coming back. And like, then I'm like, wow, I might need to gear up for like a playoff. Cause there's only four spots. And, um, sure enough, I'm, I'm sitting on the patio and I'm like, just can't believe what had happened. And, uh, turns out it was good enough to get in. I got in clean and, kind of the rest that it was, I don't even know. I think I might've been in tears when it happened. Like it was just, it was so crazy. Yeah. That, that's an awesome story. So, so Pat, you're just sitting there for like three hours. Yeah. Like in the, I mean, there's nothing to do besides just look at the leaderboard as long as I could and see what, um, you know, what other guys were doing just kind of, <laughs> you know, you don't want to root against people, but I have to say I was like, you I don't want to have to say that. Don't I don't want to say it out loud, but I was definitely very He's refreshing people. the page saying, just tell me the next number is a six or seven. Refresh, uh, just, refresh, even refresh. Even just the bogey would have been fine. Yeah. And it just <laughs> right. it happened to pan itself out and seventy one sixty nine gets in and it was just the uh it was just so crazy because it, it all happened so quick because once you qualify, it's like a week and a half until the tournament starts. And it was, you know, it was a cross country flight. So I had to figure that stuff out. But I, I just remember in like the, like afterwards when they were taking pictures and just doing like quick interviews, they were like, you know, you're going to the U S open. And I still like kind of couldn't believe it. So it was, uh, it was a pretty crazy day and it's something I'll never forget. And, uh, it's always probably my, the, the one day that I get so jacked up for it you know, during the season. Cause it's just, you know, the opportunity to play in a major championship is, is pretty serious. And, you know, there's some great players and, you know, you can have some memories that last a lifetime and you could also have like a week that changes your life and, you know, your whole career path. Unfortunately that didn't happen for me, but it was, uh, it was still incredible. Yeah. And it's, and it's so interesting. The opportunity to play in a major is, is one, Right, you're you're not gonna play. You can't qualify for the Masters. You can't right. qualify for the, the other ones. But it's the U.S. Open that you can qualify for. And I like that aspect of it that anybody can play. You know, we could have Francis Wiemek can come out here and and know the course and tear it up and just be you know some little no name that's gonna that's gonna yeah. change the world or changes his career, changes you know create totally. his legacy. 
And that's, like you said, the emotions of that as you hear, hey, you're going to the U.S. Open next week. That must be an enormous wave watching. Oh, yeah. Over it was like such an emotional roller coaster day because obviously the day is so draining. And then when you're playing well, you're kind of more, you know, you're more aware of what's going on. Although, like I said, being in the first group, I really didn't know, but I had an idea. And as I watched it play out throughout the day, I just kind of had a feeling that, you know, I, I, I still thought it was going to be one short when I got done. And that was probably the most deflating feeling to have played well enough to be that close. And, um, you know, just to, to get it done was like, like I said, it was just the craziest, like out of body experience. And, uh, it was, you know, it, it was great. And then I, in 2016, I ended up being on the other side of it. I ended up being a second alternate lost in a playoff and, uh, didn't get into Oakmont. So like I've seen both sides of it and I've also played in years where I haven't even been close. So I think I've, I think in back in 2015, I, I think I've even, when I was doing some research, correct me if I'm wrong, were you hitting balls on the range next to Tiger? <laughs> yeah, that's it was. Yeah. I, I listen, I'm looking through <laughs> some pictures and I'm like, wait, this thing pops up. I'm like, wait, are they saying this is Pat Wilson and that's Tiger right the fuck behind him? Yeah. And it was. Yeah, that was uh, that was yeah, that was probably one of the highlights of the week and it wasn't even on the golf like it was obviously on the range but you know just to be in in you know presence of you know what shaped the game and probably why most of us play the game was probably one of the coolest experiences talk about an out of body experience but it was uh yeah, that was that was pretty bizarre because it just didn't seem like real life. Did you talk, Did we talk to Tiger? Uh, that's exactly wrong. Like, was there like, like, hey, I know you have no clue who I am, but like, I just got to shake your hand. Like, is there any of that? Or are you just like, I know, like, I, I mentioned this a couple times to other people. Like, I look at you guys as like PGA Tour guys. Like you guys, when I hear your names, like I can, I know who you are. I can, I, I've seen your names be very successful and things. So like when I was at the state open and I'm hitting balls between like Tyler Hall, Brian Gaffney, Jason Gore, these guys, I'm like literally sculling shots and then just turning around and, <laughs> and watching you guys. And I'm like, these guys are really good. And I, the sound is different you know, their, their preparation's different. And I'm just that, that guy just like watching them where I should be warming up. Like, is that, is I obviously that's probably not what you're thinking. Cause you're way better than I am. But like, is that like, do you, like when you look at tiger, is that, is that how much of a fanboy are you? Yeah, with tiger I guess that's kind of my yeah. question. You know, <laughs> it was pretty much like, it, it's so odd because I remember it so vividly. Um, it was Wednesday afternoon my brother was caddying for me and I had just played some like unbelievable practice rounds. Like it's really cool how you can just play with pretty much whoever you want on that's in the tournament in the practice rounds. It's basically like going to your, your local club and just write your name down with other people. Um, and I had played earlier in the week with Keegan and uh, DJ and Jason Duffner, that was probably the highlight of my practice <laughs> rounds. Um, that was, I think, on like Monday or Tuesday. And then Wednesday afternoon came around and I definitely played way too much golf throughout the week. Like I was kind of trying to soak it all in and I kind of wore myself out a little bit. Just I just wanted to be there. I just wanted to be playing. I wanted to be 
at the course like all day, which was a mistake looking back, but just kind of soaking it all in. And it was Wednesday afternoon and it was it was late and there was nobody there. Like it was just me. I just gotten done and I was just starting to get a little antsy for Thursday. And so I just was like, I just want to go hit some balls before Thursday just to kind of like reset a little bit. And I'm hitting balls. The range has got to be a hundred yards long and I'm right smack in the middle. There's nobody there, nobody in the grandstands, nothing. Cause who wants to watch me hit balls? I, I wouldn't either. So who's this no name guy. So, um, Basically, I'm just hitting balls. My brother's there, Caddy. He's just watching me hit balls. My dad had just left to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, I start hearing people screaming Tiger's name. I don't even know where they were. But the grandstand blocks the range. So you have to walk around to get to the range. And um, all of a sudden, he walks around the grandstands and starts walking right towards me. And, you know, the, the range has probably 100, 100 spots. And... Uh, I turn around and I said, where do you think he's going to, you know, set up shop and start hitting balls? And they're like, probably right next to you. I'm like, there, there is no way, there's no chance that's going to happen. And uh, sure enough, he literally walks to the spot right next to me, drops his bag, starts hitting balls. I'm like, I can't even speak. I wanted to say something, but I couldn't even, I couldn't even talk. I felt like I was like, with a larger than life figure. And, uh, my, I, I forgot my, and my best friend was, was there with me too. And like, we were just all in awe. Like we just wanted to watch him hit balls. But at the same time, I was like, you know, I gotta, I, I don't want to be fangirling. I don't want to be, <laughs> you know, I gotta be kind of professional here. And, um, you know, so probably my biggest regret was not saying something, but I, I physically couldn't speak. And, um, had I been hitting it poorly, I probably would have just left, but I, I was like, you know, this is a great time to, to hit balls in front of somebody that, you know, the best of all time. And sure enough, within 10 minutes, there were, the grandstands were full. I have no, like, it was just the two of us hitting balls, like for probably 45 minutes and neither of us said a word to each other. That's probably a, a, <laughs> one of my bigger regrets is just not being able to speak, but I physically couldn't speak. Um, and I would have just picked up and left if I wasn't hitting it well, but uh, <laughs> I tried to really embrace that moment, but, um, it was, it was pretty surreal. And, um, I know it was definitely when he was pro probably playing his worst golf of his career, I would say. Um, but to say, to say you're one for one against Tiger in a major is, is pretty cool. So, uh, I'm going to take that <laughs> yeah, to the with me. <laughs> So so you go from this guy who can't even say hello to him or give him a fist bump or like, hey, good luck this week, to then beating him by a stroke? One shot. In that open. And that's pretty much that's... towards the end of the, you know, when I knew I wasn't going to make the cut and made double on 13 for the second day in a row, I, uh, I, I asked my brother, I said, you know, where, what did Tiger finish at? And he told me, and I was like, "All right, well, we have a new goal now. See if we can see if we can beat him." And it, it came down to the last hole, one stroke. So I'm gonna take that one to the grave. But um, it was uh, it was really it was just an unbelievable experience. I mean, it just couldn't have been more fun to just actually experience it. And you know, it's just a big confidence boost too. I mean, to play with 
the best players in the world and, you know, be, be on that side of the ropes is pretty exciting and kind of hard to describe. So real quick, I think that that's got to go ahead, right? Go. I was just going to say, I think that's got to put Tiger into perspective even more because the circus that goes with him, like we talk about how much pressure Tiger's under and all that, but this circus, like you're there by yourself hitting balls. And then all of a sudden you said, there's thousands of people watching you hit balls and that's got to put even into perspective more so what he goes through on a daily basis it's, with all of yeah, just the masses that follow him is crazy. It's insane. I, I could not believe because, like I said, there wasn't a soul there. And, you know, within 10 minutes live from on the golf channels rolling. I mean, I, I got done with that range session. I couldn't even tell you how many pictures that people took from, you know, it was just live from coverage of Tiger hitting balls. And I just happened to be there. And, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty crazy. I mean, the grandstands were packed and, you know, just the following and, you know, what he's done for the game and what he's done for golf in general. I mean, it, it's the, the scope and the, the amount of people that he's touched is like pretty, pretty incredible and inspired people to play. You, you know, you know, damn well that we're all, even if we're just finished, I'm going to hit one more ball and you hit that ball and you put the club in the bag and you're getting ready to walk away and Tiger's walking up and puts his bag next to you. You're going to keep going until he's done with his rage session totally. because that's just the best thing that could ever happen. That's a great, that's a great story. Yeah, It was, it was crazy, but, um, yeah, it was it's kind of kind of surreal, but it feels like it was yesterday at the same time. Like I will never forget that. And I, you know, it was just so vivid in my mind because it's just one of the cooler experiences I've ever had in on the golf course. And before we fast forward to, to, to today, where we're at in our, in our game and, and some of the, the accolades we got going on. Obviously, we had someone reach out and said, you know, Mike, you got to get Pat on. He's got to tell you the Scotty Cameron story, the putter, before he actually started the U.S. Open at Chambers Bay. Like, he put a brand new putter in the bag. And why don't you, I mean, I guess I'm stunned that a guy is going to, like, of your caliber is putting a brand new putter in the bag before the tournament begins Give us me give us a little background on that story. It, first of all, it wasn't smart. But <laughs> <laughs> So, I was um so I qualified. I was playing at the time I was playing all Titleists and the only club in my bag that I wasn't using that was Titleist, I was using an Odyssey 2 ball putter. And I qualified and I was like, well, when I go out to the US Open, I got to I got to scoop some like some new wedges and, you know, got to get like a couple circle tees or something. And, uh, so I meandered over to the tour van and, uh, you know, they, they just kind of like, you know, try out whatever you want, let us know what you think and we'll take it from there. And so I fell in love with one that I saw and I was like, all right, I, I, I love this thing. So they were like, you know, are you going to put it in play this week? And I was like, I'm planning on it, which looking back was not very smart because I had 39 and 36 putts for the first two rounds at Chambers <laughs> Bay and, and shot 79, 76. So you can tell the putting stats weren't too good. Um, but yeah, it just, it was probably not the smartest decision, but I did leave with two new putters and still to this day, they, the one has a lot of, you know, it's just, 
kind of like a as we were talking about memorabilia piece it's just something that i you know i want to use it all the time but it doesn't always make putts for you even though it's got that that circle t on it doesn't doesn't make you putt any better i try to tell people that all the time but it is cool and uh yeah so i did leave with some stuff and uh got some wedges ground uh some new wedges uh bob Vokey actually made me a set of wedges which was pretty cool um which were needed out there because they you know the grass is so firm and there was i had higher bounce on my wedges than I, I, you needed out there and i haven't used those wedges since because they're there's no the leading edge is is so sharp on it like you gotta have certain <laughs> conditions for it so those are still sitting at my parents house actually um probably just collecting dust but i'll never get rid of those either but that was pretty cool to meet him and have him build wedges they played in the u.s open so they, there's uh, those are memorabilia yeah, yeah. just just so- good enough for a trunk slam <laughs> Matara's Italian Market and Catering Company is located in the heart of Rutherford, New Jersey at 72 Park Avenue and has everything you need for an authentic Italian table. Recently celebrating its 10-year anniversary, Matara's Italian Market brings all your senses alive as you walk in the door. Imported retail products, cheeses, and cold cuts, freshly baked bread, and the creamiest fresh mozzarella. All can be ordered on the Matara's On Park app in Apple and Google stores. Above the market, a private space called The Loft can be reserved for intimate family parties all the way to corporate events. So give them a follow on Instagram at Mitaras Italian Market. Stop by and say ciao. Mitaras, you'll walk in a stranger, leave his family. So now we get to 2022. Like obviously I'm pressing the fast forward button immensely here, but I guess in terms of like your professional career, it maybe not, it didn't pan out the may, the way you wanted it to. So like what, now if I correct me if I'm wrong, did I see that you also had like back injuries as well, which kind of like maybe slowed the process or slowed you to where you may have wanted to go. And then yeah. you decided to get, and then your amateur status like reinstated, like kind of tell me that process there. Yeah. So I was, I was, I had like conditional status on like the Latin tour and the Canadian tour, like early on because I wanted to try to get status on a tour that had, you know, some sort of PGA tour sanction, you know, and benefits to maybe Mm -hmm. advancing your career. Um, And I got like conditional on Latin and Canada, but not very good. And that was in 2014, I think. And, um, you know, I was just playing like mini tour stuff. And then I made it through, uh, first stage of Q school for at the time, the web.com tour, um, in 2014, first time I went to Q school, I made it through first stage and I was like, Oh, this isn't too bad. And then the day before I left for second stage, which was in Dallas in November. So as you know, up here, the weather's not very good. Um, I, you know, I was playing through October, but I wasn't like, you know, in Florida or anything. And I was, uh, I was in the backyard and my, my brother at the time, he was probably like 12 or 13 and, uh, he was shooting hoops. So like, I just literally grabbed the ball, took a shot and it felt like somebody took a baseball bat to my back and I was leaving for second stage Q school the next day. Um, 
And I didn't even have time to go to a doctor or anything. And when I got to, I was, I was in Austin for a week before visiting a friend and, um, I could barely walk. So I was like, I had to go see a doctor and I had a, I found out that I had a herniated disc and it just kind of was lingering. And at Q school, second stage, I was, I was really hobbling around and didn't play great. Didn't make it through. And was just kind of battling the back injury for like here and there. But when I got home, I got, I got a shot that helped it for sure, but it was never quite right. And um, so I, I was playing mini tour stuff for a couple of years. And then I just, I, I wasn't going to Florida cause I was trying to rehab my back a little bit. And I just kind of realized I wasn't as far along as I had hoped I would be. And I was hoping that I would have been a little bit further, like had status somewhere and like, you know, maybe on the web.com tour at the time, but it's just so hard to get out there and you just have to be playing really well. It just goes to show how good everybody is. That's, that's out there. And um, guys are, guys are really good and they're, they're very talented and it's just a matter of time until they get out there. And I just, I didn't want to be, I said, if I was 30 and I still didn't have status, I was, I was done. And, um, so towards the tail end, I was only, you know, I could hardly play anything in the section because the state open, I couldn't play cause I wasn't a, a club employee. Um, so I could play like us open qualifying and met open qualifying or in the met open. And, um, so I, I decided that I was probably gonna, I was talking to some of my contacts from, caddying growing up and um you know i thought i'd get into a role where maybe i could do something where golf is an asset to me and um i kind of fell into insurance um i guess october of 2019 so a couple months before the pandemic and kind of at that point i was like i'm ready to just let the whole pro dream go especially working full-time it was like what what am i gonna do like i'm play maybe one event and maybe make, mm -hmm. you know, you win the Met Open, you win some good money, but you're not, you know, I'm not practicing. I'm not sharp enough to to do that. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how it went. And I, you know, I wrote my letter to the USGA to be reinstated. And uh, a year and a half later, I sat out and got my amateur status back. I guess it was January of, or December of last, of 21. So going into last season. So that's kind of what led me back to it. How does that work? Uh, just, I'm going to, I know, Mike, you want to get into like the 2022, but how does that work? You write a letter and then you have to sit out for X amount of time. Yeah. You, hey, USGA, I don't want to be a professional anymore. Essentially, then... that's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> yeah. You kind of, you kind of write a letter to them saying, you know, I want to be reinstated as an amateur. I'm no longer going to be playing professionally. And they'll send you back a note saying like, all right, well, you played for this long. You've, you know, and they probably look to see how much money you've made. I mean, there's I like a formula make... or something, but yeah. yeah, it's usually, I think they said it used to be if you played for under played professionally for under five years, it was like one year, like, and that was it. Unless I, I mean, I'm sure there's other situations where guys have made a ton of money and, you know, maybe it's a little bit longer, but they kind of prorated after five years. So I was just over the five year mark. So it was a year and a half for me. I don't know for whatever However it works on their end, that's kind of how it works. And they just say, 
okay, so you'll be reinstated. We'll let you know when you're reinstated. But they kind of gave me a time frame for when that would be. So it was perfect to start last year getting my amateur status back and being like, you know, not like mid-year where it's, you know, kind of missed some early tournaments and then play the tail end of the season. So it worked out well, actually. Right. We got to fi- we got to figure out if we can write a letter to the USGA to just to become a pro. Like, I just like to be a pro. Yeah. My handicap index Sign is up tomorrow. 12.9. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not really as much as you would think. Like, I know everybody, you know, people who are more casual golf golfers or golf fans, like they, they think like there's like some sort of, you know, magic equation to being a pro. But it's really you just sign up and say, I'm, I'm a pro today. I, I'm playing for money. And that's really it. Like it was, but then <laughs> wait, it's that back simple. To, you don't have to like qualify for like, there's not like, you don't have to hold like a certain handicap or no. I mean, if you want to go the club pro route, it's a little bit different where, you know, there's like the, the PAT that you have to take to, to. It's like a PAT plus, yeah. Plus like a, a, like, um, like kind of like and a pro a shop. Yeah. Like you got to like yeah. understand how to run like a business type thing. The yeah. business. Yeah. And that was, that was an avenue that I kind of thought about doing, but I just wanted to really enjoy golf and, you know, all the great things that it brought to me. I didn't want it to feel like work and, you know, I want to go there to enjoy it. And that was just kind of the decision that I made, but, you know, I miss it every day. Trust me when I'm sitting in an office for eight hours, I'm like, wow, I really wish I was, you know, but you always want what you can't have. Right. I mean, it just, you know, it always, and it just seemed to work out and it, it's definitely, I'm glad that I made the choice that I did because now I can really get back to really enjoying, enjoy playing like the amateur circuit and still be competitive. And I don't really practice that much anymore, but I just, I just enjoy competing. And that's really what, um, you know, it, it just, and it's something fun. Like I do it on the weekends, like, cause I, to hang out with friends and stuff like that. So it's, it's been great. Yeah, and you still play at a That's very good. high Get level. Get back to the roots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It kind of came full circle. So let's get into 2022 because obviously that that ends up being the first full year in terms of you getting your amateur status back. And and I read off those accolades at the very top. Um, and and obviously I'd probably think like the Met Mid Am winning that thing is a, is a very big deal. But you know qualifying for the the USGA Mid Am is is a super big deal. I think like. You know, when you look at like next level type things like, you know, the NGSGA is one area and then you can step it up to the Met. And then obviously now we're going to talk, a, you know, a national tournament. So like getting into that tournament and qualifying for that nonetheless is a, is a huge accomplishment. And then getting to the round of 64 is an even bigger one because, you know, obviously you've played 36 holes. Your score is low enough to, to, to qualify. Um you know, what, what was that experience like? I, you know, I'm dying to hear a story or two from, from there. Um, because I, you know, I just, it's, it's, it's a, it's remarkable. And to some extent, I guess, do you feel like there's a scarlet letter on you? Like you're that guy that was the pro to then you came back or have people like embraced you? Because I guess maybe to some extent, does that, do people look at you that way at all? Well, it it depends. I mean, it seems like people are just giving a lot of guys give me a hard time. They're like, ah, you should still be, you know, you're still pro or whatever. But honestly, if you see how little I practice and, um, you know, I just, I like competing, that's really it. And 
you know, it's, it's not that there aren't like, there's still really good players in this area, New Jersey and the Met section, like some of the better players, you know, it's amazing. You have a shorter season than most and the players are that good. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit, you know, they kind of give me a hard time, but honestly, I'm, we all, it's not like I'm practicing all day and, you know, I'm playing amateur events. Like I've, I'm working and, you know, I'm trying to fit a schedule that I can. And thankfully my schedule is flexible enough that I'm able to do that. Um, but it's just like a different perspective. And, you know, I really enjoy the, the competition aspect. If, if that weren't the case, I probably wouldn't play these tournaments, but it's just fun to, to, you know, get those juices flowing again. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's what I grew up doing and what I wanted to do, I guess. It's not like what I did growing up, but like, it's, you know, I played a lot of golf, but, you know, I kind of honed my skills to, to get to a level that I got to. And, you know, it's just, it's fun to, to compete still. Um, yeah. I saw your handicap. Yeah, your was, handicap is a plus 4.5, right? I mean, we're, we're no joke over here, right? You know, we're getting, we would be getting a ton of shots from him. That's I need yeah. To, I need to post a couple like eighty three. Yeah, here we so go. Here we go. I'll tell you gotta, what. Somehow those magical sixty fives, sixty fives turns into eighty threes. Meanwhile, he's winning tournaments down at Medalist. Like it, it, it ain't added up over here. No. That thing needs to. Be, you know, I might be getting a shot a hole at this point. Oh, right, hold on. You, Mike, you joke about that. I'm legitimately getting a shot a hole, maybe more. Yeah, I don't. I don't like net events. I don't like net events, but um, so let's go into the uh, let's go into the four. You, you want to you want to lower that you want to lower that handicap, Pat? Play with me. I'll I'll bring you to my level. <laughs> Anytime, Ryan. Uh, let's go into the mid am, okay? Um, and, and give us some give the audience a story or two about that experience out at Aaron Hills because that's where it was, correct? Yes, it was. Um, both courses were phenomenal. Actually, the sister course, Blue Mound, was uh, was off the charts good it really exceeded my expectations it's an old uh old seth rayner really good like old school track that you'd kind of see like around here like it kind of reminded me of like sleepy hollow a little bit just not as dramatic it was spectacular um yeah it was it was great i mean besides the fact that we played i'm trying to think we had perfect weather for practice rounds and then we played the first round I played the first round at Blue Mound, which was the sister course. And, um, you know, I hadn't played a USGA event in a couple of years. So there were definitely some nerves, you know, on the first tee and first couple holes. And um, I I actually got off to a pretty slow start. I, uh, I think I turned in three over on my first nine and um, just kind of sloppy and then made – nine pars on the back nine. So I shot three over in the first round with zero birdies. And I was like, all right, I'm due to make a birdie at some point. And um, then the weather was coming in playing Aaron Hills the next day, which is a much longer golf course. Um, they had it probably, I think it was like 7,400 and change. So it was pretty long. And in the practice rounds, it wasn't bad because it was super firm. So you were getting a lot of roll and we played our first nine holes or no, it, I'm sorry. It, yeah, we played, we played nine holes. Oh, I'm trying to think. So there was, there was a weather delay in between. That's right. Cause we hadn't played 
Uh, now I'm really trying to figure this out. Sorry. Um, yeah, that's what it was. It it rained, it rained a ton um, after the first round, and we didn't play golf for like two days. It was they got nine inches of rain in like forty eight hours, so we didn't play for like two days, and then we teed off. We played on. Oh, I don't. I'm trying. Sorry, guys. I'm trying to just piece this together. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, whatever it was, we either we either played nine holes and then got called off due to darkness. That's why I think, yeah, we didn't play. So the it, the courses were underwater, so they couldn't play for like a day and a half. So I only got to play nine holes. I think this was on like Sunday, and it started on like I want to say whatever whatever the day was. We we played nine holes. And I made nine pars at Aaron Hills. So I'm at like three over and I was like, all right, I mean, due to make a birdie at some point. And, um, you know, I was kind of checking scores after a while because, you know, there was nothing else to do, but nobody was playing, but I was just kind of figuring in my head what, what I thought the number was going to be. So finally, once we get back out there, I had, I had nine holes to play and I was, literally like right on the cut line at three over <laughs> I made six pars to start and uh birdied birdied my 34th hole for my first birdie of the tournament and um so I got to two over and I was telling my caddy I'm like once I make one I'm you know they they usually come in bunches so I I birdied seven and I could actually breathe again because I was like all right I got like a one-shot cushion but I don't want to live on that number because it could change and, um, so I ended up, I, I birdie seven, which is a par five and then eight, I had just missed the green short. And I was like, oh, this is a pretty easy chip. And I chipped it in. So then I got it to back to one over and I just had the ninth hole, which is, um, or sorry. Yeah. The ninth hole, which is like that postage stamp part three to just get in. So I was just like, just get it on the green and just make a par and get out of here. So that. I ended up playing very well the second round, even though it took like, you know, two days to complete. So it was tough living, living and dying on that like cut line. Um, so yeah, I, I shot 73, 69 and I think the cut was, I think there was a playoff at three over. So it was really exciting and, uh, you know, played with some great guys and we, uh, the other guy did make batch play as well. So that, that was helpful to, you know, kind of play with somebody else who was playing well as well. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun. I mean, it's, it's such an interesting dynamic playing in like a mid-am, um, having played like other USGA events. Like back in the day, I played the USAM at Cherry Hills in 2012 and then the, obviously the US Open. So just seeing like the difference in what, how guys are preparing for events at, you know, different levels is pretty crazy because, um, you know, so I think somebody tweeted it, but it was so perfect. I mean, there's guys out there treating it like the masters. They're, they're like, literally like so serious. They got their track man out the whole thing, grinding, hitting balls for hours. There's other guys sitting on the patio having beers. And then there's other guys like on work calls. So like, it's just a crazy, <laughs> it's like a crazy dynamic, like, cause you know, most of the guys are, are 
you know, they work and they got to take some time off of work to play this event. And um, so it was just really cool to see that, but like, you know, having ropes up and, you know, it's not like there were a ton of spectators in the early rounds, but I mean, you know, friends and family or whatever, but it's just cool to like be in that environment in like a USGA atmosphere. It's just, it just is another level of like awesome. I mean, and you didn't play poorly either. Either Once you qualify, once you got into the round of 64, like I pulled up the scorecard, like you, you played solid. There wasn't anything that like when I, when I looked at the scorecard that like, you know, was like, oh man, he made like a six or seven or he got on a bogey train. Like the other guy made a few more birdies. And I probably would say that was the difference in the round of 64. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, we, he, and you know, due to the rain delay, we ended up playing, we played 10 holes in our match. Um, the first day and you know, the guy I played, he bombed it. Um, actually another guy that works in insurance it seemed like there were quite a few of them out there and um it's like insurance or financial planners it seemed like or then the occasional finance guys but um you know he he bombed it um and he he just putted well like he was just like solid tee to green and like anytime i thought i had a chance to like pick pick up a hole or something he just seemed to make like a clutch putt or something and I didn't play great, but I was like through nine holes. I wasn't really playing all that well, but I think I was, I was two down and then on 10 and I hadn't won a hole through nine holes, but I'm two down and then 10, they blew the horn as we teed off. And I said, do you want to finish this hole or, or not? And he's, he's like, why don't we just finish the hole? Whatever. We'll start hole fresh tomorrow. I was like, yeah, that's perfect. And I hit what I, and I hit a really good shot into 10. It was right online. And, um, then he hits it right on my line. And I'm like, oh boy, I hope he's not closer than me because I'm going to be giving him the line. And uh, I happen to be just like about a foot or two inside of him. He missed his and I made. So I felt like I had momentum going into, you know, the second half of our match the next day. I'm only one down through 10, not playing great. And I'm like, all right, so we can start fresh. I finally won a hole. Maybe I'll, you know, not sleep as well. And I was kind of jacked up. And, uh, I remember when we teed off on 11, he airmailed the green after his second shot and I hit it on the green below the hole. And he has this really, really tough, like he puts it, it was like off like a collection area and he putted it down to probably like 10 feet beyond the hole. Cause it was just so fast. I'm like, Oh, I got a chance to pick up a hole here. And I miss, I conceded par and he makes, and I was just like, man, this guy just doesn't, he like doesn't miss and uh it's not going away just kind of set the tone and then he made like a bomb on me on third uh on 13 for birdie and you know at that point i was a little a little deflated because i felt like i had chances but um ultimately didn't go my way but it was it was a great experience he was a good guy and he ended up making it to the semifinals. yeah i say he he took down he took down Stu Hagestad. He beat him in the round Stu of 16. Scott Harvey yeah. back to back. He made it to the I final mean, four. I I I, I was doing my research. I saw like, all right, right, let me, you know, he he wasn't no like, you know, wasn't like some guy at the local club that had a couple good rounds. Like he fought out in golf beating, you know, you guys, you and Stu and all these other guys just to make it to the final four of of this event oh, yeah. is no joke. No, it was pretty serious, and he, uh, you know, he was impressive. So obviously, he played well the rest of the way. 
He's from and North. Like, you know, he's from North Dakota. I didn't even know they golfed in North Dakota. He's from North Dakota, and he sounded like he's from North Dakota oh, with his wow. accent. There you but, go. Um, I didn't even know they had golf yeah, in North Dakota. I didn't either, but um, he looked like he was a football player. He's big dude and hit it a mile, so it kind of added up. But uh, yeah, he was a good guy, and I was glad. You know, glad he made a nice run because it would suck to lose to a guy who you know maybe just got hot and then didn't then kind of shit the bed the next day. But um, obviously he he's a good player and, you know, to beat those guys is really impressive. Yeah, and then, so again, and then continuing the 2022 trend, I saw that you, you and your buddy Brad were the medalists at the USGA four ball qualifying with the tournament that'll take place, correct me if I'm wrong, but May basically next month at Kiowa. Correct. Am I right with that? Yeah. Yeah. So like now we're talking two big time golfers heading out to Kiowa. Like what do we, what do do we, do you and Brad feel like we got a legit chance to, to knock some doors down out there? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like overly confident, but um, we've been saying to each other that we're, we're going there to, to win so um and i mean with with him as a partner it's it's you know it could have a much worse partner and he's a stud player and we became really fast friends actually from like we knew each other prior from like mga stuff but we basically like hung out the entire time at the mid-am together and um you know that's kind of where it all it all formulated and uh yeah we're we we have pretty high hopes for for you know, the four ball, I mean, obviously you can run into a buzzsaw, but I think if we both play solid, like we, we actually have a legitimate chance to like do some damage in the tournament. And we're, we were talking about it before I got, got on the phone with you guys and uh, you know, we we're super jacked up for it. Yeah. I mean, listen, the great golf course, you know, I saw you guys shot 64 in the qualifier. So clearly the birdies are out there for you two to put together um you're playing well too from what i see so like god we we might have to get you both on after you two fucking go out and win the usga four ball i mean my god that that would be a treat i think you guys would enjoy that i'll tell you we'd like to interview the winner but (laughs) even if you don't uh, we want to hear the experience you guys should definitely come on after that'd be be awesome we can tag team it for sure all right so pat obviously we like to end with two specific questions, and I and I always go first because I kind of think Ryan's is better than mine. But um, obviously, our goal is, as golfers here in the Garden State is to travel the state, play golf, talk golf, and really enjoy it as much as we can. Is there a certain course that we like to ask our guests specifically here in New Jersey, like maybe a public and a private spot that, like, if you got the opportunity to go play, you got to kind of drop what you're doing and go play that private spot and maybe just a public spot that like anybody can go kind of tee it up at. Um, I would say, well, obviously there's one course in South Jersey that if you get the invite to go to private one, um, you should drop everything and go. (laughs) That's not really a very easy invite to get. Um, We usually take that one off the table. Okay. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of figured, you know, The one thing that we're so blessed with in New Jersey is honestly, like we have some of the best courses. I mean, arguably one of the, like the best in the country, in the state. It's just amazing. Like the, 
you know, we're, there's just so many courses. It's just incredible. Um, I would say a public course, I'm not as familiar with like South Jersey as I am um, Northern New Jersey, but one, or yeah, um, in North Jersey, I would say a course that I loved playing growing up is Valley Owen um, uh, from the a public standpoint. Um, it's a cool like link style course and I haven't played there in, a couple years but like every time i go there i always enjoy it it's a lot of fun and it's just you know it's probably i don't know what their rates are now but i mean it's just it's a it's a treat like not really like what you, it's it's kind of link style which is cool because you don't really see a whole lot of that um in new jersey but um it's a great course i recommend it if you know you've never been there um i would go check it out for sure um it's definitely one of my favorite public courses and then i guess from like the that's a really tough question uh private course wise I take would, hamilton I, farm out of the equation too no, you no, can't no, you no, can't no. give was, me that one i was gonna i was gonna take hamilton out of that one um but i would say i would say in south jersey if you get an opportunity to play um galloway is awesome um it's really fun it's kind of close to kind of close to ac if you like doing the gambling aspect but it's it's really good golf course it's really hard though so that's one thing i do really like galloway and then i would say you know when people ask about like the north it's just tough like i would say there's like three that really stand out to me i would say ridgewood mountain ridge and arcola are like three that i just absolutely love playing every time i get the opportunity to as much as I love, you know, Baltusrol and, you know, there's just so many good ones, but those are ones that you might not think of like right away. And I know Ridgewood got a lot of notoriety and Arcola, I guess, from the USAM last year, but like, it's pretty tough to beat any of those spots. I mean, they're just top notch and, you know, it's just always a great day there. Yeah. Those, those well, are courses. I, I like those it. are courses. Those are good ones. Those are definitely good ones. <clears throat> I like that, like, it's easy to sell out and just say, like, oh, Baltusrol and, and Liberty National. Like, those are the obvious ones. I like, I, I feel like Arcola is one maybe I don't give enough respect to because, but I, I just, I don't ever think of it on, like, the Ridgewood, Baltusrol, Liberty National, Bayonne. Like, I don't, I just don't equate it with that. Maybe, maybe that's on me to start doing that. But you're the, you're the second or third person to say Arcola as like as one over some of those so that's a that's yeah that's mo you're mul they're multiple people multiple people have definitely yeah. said arcola and and i don't know if they're taking up that that pathway rye about like they want to say something different but it is truly they arcola is sometimes just like how pat just said it like it's like the first one that comes out of their mouth like yeah it's just like always like every time i go there it's in perfect shape greens are like tournament speed it's like and there's so many good players that are members there, which is, which is makes it even that much better. Um, they've done so much good work there. And I'm telling you, Mountain Ridge is a sleeper. It might not be, but I think it is. And I don't think it gets as much love as it deserves, but it's, it's amazing. So Pat, I don't know if you've been following, but we've been doing like a March Madness style. Yeah. Um, North versus South. Uh, and one of the courses that we had on there was Berkshire Valley that I don't, I don't know anything about, and, and Mike doesn't either. So as someone from up there, tell, is, that, is that course 
Should we have given it more love? What what is your like what's your what's your take on Berkshire Valley? I like it. I was really impressed. I've only played it once and I thought it was I was really like truly impressed by it. Like for a public course and it was in great shape. It's a good layout too. I mean the first like I want to say the first two holes are kind of cut up like against the side of a hill. Um it's kind of like mountainous, but I mean besides that, it's really good. I, I I was I really enjoyed it, and I I don't know. I feel like I played it early in the year, and it was still in great shape. I mean, it's kind of hard to beat like the Shanick for a a public course that's like, you know, pretty pretty reasonably priced too. Um, the Shanick's really good. <laughs> Mike nodding his head there. Yeah. yeah, I like I like the Shanick a lot too. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are some good some good public courses, but I did like Berkshire. I, I did. Pat, being someone that plays, obviously, at such a high level, playing in the in the pros and, and now getting your amateur status and playing in, in all that comes with that, what are some, and to, to kind of like caveat it, I think golfers are superstitious by nature and we have our own little our own little quirks or habits or whatever you'd like to call them. What are some that you have going into a tournament that you that are some must-haves for you, whether it's a certain amount of tees or even number balls or this or that. We've had a whole bunch of different answers. What are some what are some of your your again quirks or superstitions that you that you have on the golf course? Um I'm not really as like OCD as I might be at times. I actually don't have like a um I don't have like an odd or even number ball or anything like or actually a number of tees, but the only thing that I do make sure that I do every single time um, I mark my ball is it's got to be heads up. It's always got to be heads up. That's pretty much it. And just cleaning the crap out of my clubs. Like they're, they look spotless after like every shot I hit. I like that. Yeah, it's simple. funny that like, like some that. people, simple. yeah, simple, simple. It's my type <laughs> we of try, guy. We've had people, we've had people that are like, oh, I got to have four T's in my right pocket, a ball marker in my left. So Mike tried it and he, and he shot 44 with it. He's like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> now, it's not, I mean, there's obviously a number of T's that could be a burden, but I don't want to run out of T's either. I know some people that only have like one in their pocket, but I don't want to be running back to the bag to get another T. So. I don't know. I just have enough that's going to last me for the round, but it's the ball's always got to be marked heads up regardless. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and, and then, Pat, we're a Jersey podcast, a Jersey golf podcast, talking about New Jersey. And there's a great debate here in New Jersey about a particular kind of breakfast meat. And we'd be remiss <laughs> if we didn't get your answer on what this particular breakfast meat is called. And as I, I, I already texted Mike my answer because I got yelled at for saying that I know. I, I know what you people up in Sussex County call it. But for the audience, what are you calling that particular breakfast meat? It's Taylor Ham. Yeah. See, Mike, again, I hate to toot my There's own horn, but the kid knows There's these things. Cutoff. There is cut off, and you're Mike. You are on the pork. You're on the pork roll side. We're Taylor Ham up and up by me. Listen, if yeah, we get that, together, that, if we get together and play, right? I will bring you no, a no, no. pork roll when, and cheese. When okay, we get when together, we get and, together play. and play, I'll bring you a pork roll and cheese, and you'll be like, you know what? I'm coming over to the dark side, and I'm calling it <laughs> pork roll. <laughs> that's fine i would i would gladly take one especially before i'm gonna go out and uh, yeah i have a couple adult beverages on the course 
Like, yep. like I said, I'm gonna yeah. bring it down to my level. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, oh, no, I appreciate. Just, uh, I, listen, all things serious. Listen, thank you so much for a responding when we reached out to to have you come on the show, and then you know, obviously we we've talked for well over an hour with you about a lot of things, and we we probably could go even longer. Um, but if we don't get a chance to talk to you before you you and Brad head out to to uh, Kiowa, best of luck. You know, I hope you guys kill it. I hope you guys win. And after you guys do win, you know, hopefully we can get you two on here together to tell us some some crazy stories out there. No, oh, that would be awesome. I I really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, thanks, Ryan and Mike, for for coordinating. It it was awesome. I hope I didn't uh, bore you with my stories, but it was uh, it was a treat to be on. Absolutely, yeah, Pat. Thank you for coming on, and best of luck. Thank you, guys. Keep kicking ass. It's awesome. Awesome. Thanks, pal. Talk soon. Sounds good. Take care. See ya. Thank you.